0: Hammer down and push your Indy car to the limit. Might be one of the most dominating performances we'll see all season long. From turbochargers to tight turns, we're covering everything that's happening in the NTT IndyCar series. Pagino got a strong run for turn number four. He's going to pull away from Alexander Rossi. Simon Pagino sweeps. Exclusive interviews with drivers, crew chiefs, and team owners discussing the IndyCar storylines that matter to you. Oh
1: my goodness, what an incredible race, and what an incredible champion we have on
0: our hands. Wow! This is Brick by Brick.
2: I'll welcome everybody to what is hopefully going to be your one stop for everything it is the NTT IndyCar Series and the 2020 campaign about ready to get underway at the Firestone Grand Prix in St. Petersburg, St. Petersburg Florida. I'm Jack Aroot. and joining me uh, as we now go by the hashtag two bad Boys, is a, uh, well, a former winner. In fact, uh, won five times before he answered the siren song of NASCAR and left uh, the Champ Car World Series. For what he thought was going to be greener pastures uh, the one and only dinger AJ
3: almandinger in the house AJ uh, this is going to be fun this season Jack can we first of all not like get our audience already ticked off at me before we even start this show saying that I left we don't have to remind people that okay okay we're, we're well, just focusing on the, uh, my well, my no, love you have to understand i
2: I am always one for transparency and truth did you leave?
3: I did leave. Yes, <laughs> yes, Your I Honor. Did. Your Honor, I rest my case. Here, here's the deal, okay? <laughs> if, if we're going to be, if if we're just going to start this show off with full honesty, right? Open book here. So there was an opportunity at the time when the series were talking about merging, Jerry Forsyth, we knew did not want to go to and he was pretty outspoken he, about it. He was outspoken yes. about it. So that was part of it. Was I was like. Okay, you know, we're my team that I love because we were winning so many races. And at the time, to be perfectly honest with you, with IRL being so much predominantly ovals, I didn't want to race Indy cars on ovals all the time. I didn't know what the schedule was going to look like. I knew they were going to take some of the road courses. But I didn't want to go a lot of oval racing in an Indy car because in the IRL at that point, we had seen a lot of bad wrecks. Kenny Breck, Ryan Briscoe, to name a few, Mm. and I was nervous to go do that, and there was an opportunity to leave, and, um, you know, sure, people could have said, well, for sure you would have had an IndyCar ride, I didn't know that, and uh, I had to go somewhere where I knew I was going to have a job, and, you know, good and bad came out of it. Here, let
2: me make you feel better, Parker. Okay. Okay? All right, make you feel better. People look at the Indy 500 champion and former IndyCar champion uh, that drives for Roger Penske. You know I'm talking about from Toowoomba, Australia. Yeah. Uh, Everybody forgets that he did not have a ride when Champ Car Racing ended. And then all of a sudden, uh, due to uh, some federal tax issues with Helio Castroneves, (laughs) and the rest is history. Yeah. All right. So, believe me, I'm I'm not blaming you. Look, I got a whole bunch of stuff during the course of this this season that I'm going to be able to just you know plow you over with. Oh, sweet. Okay.
3: And that's why I say hashtag two bad boys. The ultimate story here is I still love the NTT IndyCar Series. I watch it every weekend. I'm so happy to be a part of the show now and talk about it. And to me, right now, it is the most competitive series in the world. Anybody in the field. Any given weekend can go out there and win the race, and that's what I love. And and look, it's only gotten better. Now, since the season ended
2: last year, uh, Joseph Newgarden, who will join us a little bit later in the show, was crowned the champion. So much has changed. Uh, First of all, ownership, uh, and you certainly have been part of the Penske organization. Roger Penske, not only purchasing the NTT IndyCar series, but also the famed Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And we certainly have seen just in about 100 days some incredible investments, multimillion-dollar investments that uh, fans will be treated to uh, when we hit the brickyard for the Grand Prix of Indianapolis and then, of course, the running at the end of May of the Indianapolis 500. We also have seen a changing of the guard, A.J. And, and look, everybody likes to talk about the youth movement. How about this? Uh, there are 13 full-time drivers under the age of 30 this year. Uh, I, I think, first of all, I think that is a hell of a signal that there is a health uh, in the NTT IndyCar Series that probably hasn't existed for a, at least a decade or so. Uh, consider this point: the starting field at St. Pete this weekend, 28 cars. Yeah, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not just, you know. And of those 28, how many do you think, as you looked at the entry list, how many do you think, actually, you could make a legitimate argument that they have a shot at winning this race? And I'm not talking about uh, being, you know, uh, an apologist for cars. Well, you know they have a shot.
3: Legitimate shot. I mean, if you're looking at the field, out of those 28 cars, legitimate, legitimately, I'd say at least 16 to 18 cars yeah. can go out there and win. And I mean... You take Felipe Nazar from Carlin. The guy flew on a plane, took his rental car, and basically got out of his rental car, suited up, jumped in the car at Sebring at lunch, went out there, set the quickest time of the day. So, I mean, you don't even put him on that list, but that's saying that this field is so competitive that a guy like Felipe Nazar, they get the car right with Carlin at St. Pete this weekend. He can go out there and win the race, so... I love watching it. This is why the it's the most competitive series in the world and we're going to probably see one of the best seasons we've ever had. And as you talked about it, it's Roger Pansky's world. We're just living in it now. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. And and it and it's only just begun. Uh,
2: but we're talking about this youth movement coming up a little bit later in the show. We're going to visit with a with a, with an outstanding driver that you raced against that certainly had had the pedigree and uh, found himself on the outside looking in due to this youth movement, and then things kind of came together and he got he got united for four races. Sebastian Bourdais will be joining us, uh, but uh, during the off season as well, uh, the culmination AJ of a lot of testing, uh, and what I'm talking about is we will see this weekend. The arrow screen. Now, let me—it's hard on radio to describe what it looks like, but let me put it to you this way. If you're a fan of Formula One, it's not a modified roll cage like F1 is using. Uh, it, it, it is some space-age technology developed by PPG. Uh, it, it is certainly, I think, addressing an exposure issue for drivers, and it has already had a positive long-term effect. Uh, with the admission by seven time, your buddy Jimmy Johnson, that hey, I'm looking at these arrow screens, and you know what, Jimmy Johnson later this year, later in uh, this month, leading up to Indy, is going to be testing for Team McLaren, uh, as he wants to run some uh, some some road courses next year in the IndyCar season. So even before the first car hits the ground in a competitive race, it's already had a benefit.
3: Yeah, I mean it's. It's all about safety and that's what indie car is going with here. Maybe fans initially won't like the look of it. I think it looks okay. You know, to I me do. it looks like you're looking out of the cockpit of an airplane, obviously without the top, but that's kinda how it looks when you're sitting in there. You know, speaking with drivers, some say maybe it affects the, the balance, the aero balance of the car a little bit, creates a little bit more understeer since the weight's a little bit higher on the car. Uh, some say it doesn't affect it at all. Some drivers say it doesn't change the temperature in the car, heck, some say it's going to be a lot hotter. So driver fitness may be critical, uh, even more critical than usual because all these drivers are so fit. So I'm really looking forward to seeing all the cars get out there and seeing kind of how they handle against each other. But in the name of safety, that's what it's about. And we want to make this as safe as possible. And this is a great step in that direction. Yeah, Jay Fry's is going to visit with us, the president of IndyCar, and we're going to talk about the development
2: of that aero screen. And a little bit later in the show, uh, one of the segments called Jacked Up, I'm going to drag out my soapbox and not only talk about safety, but talk about is it important that people take credit for one thing or the other, but you'll just have to stay tuned. All right, man, you, you, you take a look at this 2020 season. You said how excited you are. Uh, give me some folks that you think are flying under the radar right now, AJ.
3: I mean, we got a the, the host of rookies right now. I mean, you really look at the the Arrow McLaren SP group, Oliver Askew, Pato Award. Uh, you know, those are the two that really jump out. Pato, we saw in a in a a race, kind of, couple races between what eighteen and then one last year. You know, you can really show his speed. Oliver Askew, I've raced against that kid in karting, yeah, and unfortunately, he pretty much whooped my butt. He's he's got so much talent. We've seen him up through the the ladder system into IndyCar. He's got so much speed. So it's really about how fast those cars are to unload. Those are the two guys that really stand out. A guy like Connor Daly that now has announced his full time. Full time ride, thanks. Splitting between two teams. Yeah. 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 So uh, Connor Daly's got a lot to prove and you know the the best way to go out there and do it is unload at Saint Pete quick and, and have a great weekend and really get the season kicked off in the right way. It's a
2: 17-event season starting this weekend and culminating on the 20th of September at Laguna Seca. In between, you've got Barber, you've got the Streets of Long Beach, Cota, Circuit of the Americas, Indianapolis Motor Speedway for two stops, the Duels in Detroit, uh, the house that Eddie Gossage and Bruton Smith built at Texas Motor Speedway, Road America, a new one on the docket, uh, Saturday the 27th, Night Race, Richmond Raceway. People, let me tell you. If you have not seen the IndyCars race at Richmond, put your teeth in your pocketbook, Grandma, because it's wild and woolly, and any driver, and we've run there before, any driver will tell you it happens so fast. I don't even think it's it, it, it's appropriate to say for IndyCars this is their Bristol because it's even faster, AJ.
3: Yeah, it's the driver's hands will never be straight. You go down the front straightaway, it's curved all the way down the front straightaway into turn one. Uh, you come off of two, and these Indy cars are so fast. By the time they get their hands straight off of corner two, they're going to be setting up for turn three. So uh, it's going to be great action. Traffic's going to be critical. You're always going to be around cars, whether you're leading the race or you're at the back of the field. You're going to be fighting in traffic the whole time. It's going to be a fantastic event. And following uh, the return to Richmond on the 12th of
2: July, you've got the streets of Toronto. Uh, Iowa Speedway, which is always a fun track, another one of those short tracks that is going to test, as you just said, a lot of the skill set and being in traffic. Uh, Mid-Ohio, and then um, the Bomberita Automotive Group 500. Uh, when Returning to Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway, that paperclip seems to lend itself very well. Uh, I remember last year, uh, you know, uh, watching that race, and, you know, in, in a lot of ways— for, Sant- uh, for Ferrucci, it was his coming-out party. Now, I understand that Dale Jr. called him out during the Indianapolis 500, but Santino Ferrucci um, is certainly now the, the, the A-team driver for Dale Coin Racing. Then we got Portland. It's so great to be back at Portland, and it culminates at WeatherTech Raceway in Laguna Seca, as I said, on the 20th of, of September. Uh, this is a fascinating mix of ovals road courses, permanent road courses, street courses. Uh, from a driver's perspective, having to have a skill set that's that versatile, do you kind of like when you raced a stock car at Pocono, do you just say, all right, I've got three different turns, so I'm going to have to like compromise and maybe one or two to capitalize on on the other. Uh, with these different courses, do you compromise on some or, or or do you really have to hone your skill to a mirror's edge that uh, you're, you're excellent
3: at all of them to succeed. Now, this is the ultimate championship. As a driver, you love having to go to different types of racetracks because that's what you're wanting to do. You want to put your skill out there that, you know what, I'm not just a short oval driver or I'm not just a street course driver. I am great at all of them. And to win the championship, that's what you have to do. We see it with Joseph Newgarden. You can take him to a road course, and he's as fast as anybody out there. You take him to a short oval, he can get the job done. And that's what you have to do to win this championship is you can't just say, you know what, I'm not great at short ovals, so we'll just try to get through those and we'll be dominant at the rest of the racetracks. Uh, You know, take a guy like Alexander Rossi. We see he can win at so many different racetracks. But last year in talking with him, he talked about his short oval program wasn't where it needed to be, and that's what cost him the championship. So uh, this is what you love as a driver, is to go out there and show how much talent you have on each different type of racetrack. He's A.J. Allmendinger. I'm Jack
2: Aroot. I have a big, very pressing question. I know IndyCar fans across the country want answered by my partner. Um, your partner, the legendary Mr. Tickles. <laughs> um, is,
3: is, is Mr. Tickles going to make periodic appearances here on Brick by Brick? I mean, he might it's you never know i mean tickles he goes out there and and it's it's his world that that i have to deal with I, i'm kind of on his time schedule so if if he's feeling like he wants to come make an appearance you know jack he's he's popular so he's yeah, got to divide followers his time does up. he have on on twitter he's got near five six thousand so well, like, yeah <laughs> that, that's three thousand more than you got yeah i know <laughs> so uh, at, at most racetracks now, I'm not known as, as AJ. I'm known as Mr. Tickle's dad. So he might well, be then, in here.
2: He might not. And henceforth, Brick by Brick, <laughs> co-hosted by Mr. Tickle's dad and yours truly, <laughs> Jack Arute right. joining us now, and he will uh, be visiting with us far longer, a little bit further into this series, is Jay Fry, the president of uh, the NTT IndyCar Series. Uh, Jay, Jackaroot and A.J. Almendinger, with you. It is so good to be on board and be part of this expansion. We're we're pleased that you do a drive-by here for a second because we do want to get a little bit of information as to uh, what went into the development of this screen because this wasn't just an overnight effort. Uh, You guys, uh, last I checked, I think this has been a two-year process, has it not?
4: Yeah. Well, first off, thanks for having me. Um, you were quite excited about the, the expanded relationship, So this is great. Um, on the arrow screen, yes, it's, uh, well, it was a couple years process. We had a couple years into the process, um, at the beginning of this past year and, um, we had made some strides. We had, had done some different things, had some different applications. I got to the point where we felt we needed a little help. So, Fortunately, based off of a relationship, a previous relationship with Red Bull, we called them and said that the, the, the application that they had come up with for, for the F1 car, we really liked, and we wanted to see what the, the possibility would be for them to help us put something like that or design something like that for our car. So um, they immediately jumped on it, which was great. Um, it was pretty amazing. So that was, the uh, years are going to get messed up here, but that was a year ago at the Coda Open Test mm-hmm. that we Called them, and then one year later at Dakota Open Test, which was this past one, um, we had you know this new aero screen on 26 cars. So really, this project, the way it worked, it was done in less than a year, which you know in engineering terms is light years. Um, that was you know four on-track tests, 1,495 miles, uh, almost er, um, laps 2,000 miles. So it was quite a paddock-wide effort by lots of different people. So we're really proud of where it's ended up. You got a new boss
2: uh, and someone that, uh, you know, has literally or virtually owned the Indianapolis 500 with, you know, multiple uh, Indy 500 trophies more than anybody else. Uh, but now he owns the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the NTT IndyCar Series. What has been the mandate to you, Jay Fry, as the president of the IndyCar Series from your new boss, Roger Penske?
4: Well, that's been uh, obviously it's, uh, an amazing time. Um, you know, something. If you look at it in one way, one way, it's like, what's different? Well, there's nothing really different because before that, that happened, we would call him or I would call him, ask for his opinion, like we do with all the owners, um, or help with different things. Or here's what we're working on. What do you think about this and this initiative or that? Uh, but it's amazing to have him around all the time um, and to be you know, just through osmosis. I mean, this. You know, you just think of what. The career that he's said, and all the great things he's done, and the people he's affected, and I mean, 18 Indianapolis 500 wins. I mean, that's a record. I don't think that will ever be broken. Um, so it's it's just really uh, it's you know basically business as usual. There's different things that we got to do, do to enhance this series that he's obviously very aware of from a team owner's perspective. Now as an owner of the series perspective, and we're the the resources and the assets we have to help get these initiatives done have just you know, greatly expanded. But again, he would have helped before too. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just an amazing, amazing person. Um, he's just phenomenal to be around. Um, we could be more proud and excited about the future. And, um, I just think it'll accelerate a lot of the things that we were, you know, we were already working on and, you know, there'll be lots of new things that come out too, through his, uh, direction. It'll be even more exciting. You know,
2: Jay, I'm never politically correct. You know, I jump off into the deep end of the pool, look for the smoking gun. So, when is NASCAR and IndyCar going to have a a dual weekend at one facility?
4: Well, I've always been a big proponent of that. I think that's a great idea. So, and there's plenty of places we go where where you don't have to differentiate who does what or what. You know, where we run on Saturday night; and they could run on Sunday. You know, so if it was in an oval somewhere you know, that we could do that or, or wherever. So. Um, I think it's something we're both interested in talking about, and I think it's something that, you know, hopefully we'll see in the near future. Well, near future, 2021? Well, um, I knew that was coming. I, I don't that, that <laughs> I warned be, you. Right. That would be aggressive, obviously. <laughs> um, but I think it's something that we both see how it could be a, you know, it's not something you do all the time, but if you did it, you know, obviously one time you got to start with one first, but if you did it a couple times a year, kind of an American motorsports extravaganza um, I think it would be great for all of us. And, um, you know, so we'll see what happens.
2: All right. Well, hey, listen, uh, we are just genuinely excited to be part of the circus and uh, looking forward to this season. And thanks so much for kicking things off the right way. Sorry if I pressed a little too hard, Jay.
4: Oh, that's great. No, and we're genuinely excited to have you. So we appreciate all you do.
2: That's Jay Fry, president of the uh, NTT IndyCar series and uh, you'll be hearing a lot from Jay and a lot of his staff members throughout the course of our time here uh, covering the NTT IndyCar series. Still to come on this first edition of Brick by Brick with A.J. Allmendinger, Jack Aroot, and we'll be visiting with Sebastian Bourdais, the hometown hero in St. Petersburg as he plays host unofficially to the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Pete this weekend, a two-time winner of that event, and the defending champion of the Firestone Grand Prix at St. Petersburg and defending NTT IndyCar champion Joseph Newgarden. Don't go anywhere. We've still got much more to come.
0: This is Brick by Brick with A.J. Allmendinger and Jack Arute on Dan Patrick Radio Channel 211 and on the Sirius XM app. The thunder of the NTT IndyCar Series is back on Sirius XM. Hear every race from the first race in St. Petersburg. Green flag is out. The season is underway. To the final checkered in Laguna, including all the pageantry of the 104th running of the Indianapolis 500. He'll go to victory lane. Simon Pagenaud wins. Wednesdays throughout the season, check out our weekly show with A.J. Amendinger and Jack Harut. The NTT IndyCar Series on Sirius XM and the Sirius XM app, now included free for most subscribers from the green flag to the checkered flag we're discussing the hottest topics from the ntt indycar series this is brick by brick
2: uh, welcome back to brick by brick he's aj allmendinger i'm jack Aroot, and we will be with you every wednesday night uh right here on the dan patrick channel uh throughout the 2020 ntt indycar series campaign now joseph newgarden begins his quest to try and defend his title that he earned one year ago. And that journey started at this first race, as he's also the 2019 defending champion of the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Pete. Uh, He won the 2017 IndyCar Championship in his first season at Team Penske. And then, of course, as we said, he uh, won the title in 2019. I had an opportunity, A.J., to visit with Joseph Newgarden recently. So, when I say two-time NTT IndyCar champion, you break out into a smile. What's different about defending this championship as it applies to the first time you won one?
5: Well, I don't know. I don't know yet. I mean, I'll know in a couple weeks, but I think it's the same thing. At least that's the way I'm... You know, approaching it to start with. But have is, you changed in any way? No, not at all. I same process. You yeah. know, I don't know why I would change the process. It's it, It's worked so far. Um, I think it will continue to work. It's ever evolving. Mm-hmm. You know, the process has to continue to move uh, because every year there's something different. This year's the aero screen. That's going to be the big addition to the Indy cars. Um, new looking, new feeling but it's more than just that every year there's tire differences there's small setup things that we learn um, tracks change track surfaces change there's new blood coming into the sport so you get these uh, you get this like kind of influx of new ideas new perspectives on how to drive the car so you've got to be on your toes every year to stay on top i think that's the hardest thing is how do you sustain success it's you know it's one thing to find success but to sustain it is is a totally different thing and i think much harder so we're we're continuing to to do the same process but but always trying to learn and see what we can add to it. Leave it to me to jump right into the deep end of the pool. You've got
2: championships, you've got victories with your teammates, there's one thing lacking. Oh dear.
5: Oh do dear. I need to say it? Yeah, no, I I know. Believe me, I know. The Indy 500. Does it
2: haunt you? No,
5: no, I'm very at peace with the Indy okay. 500. Um you know, I. Well, it's
2: not like you're not going to have opportunities.
5: Well, certainly, you know, I, I know I'm I'm slotted to have an opportunity to get in this <laughs> year, and and uh, so I try and take I try and make the most of every opportunity there, and I, I hope it works out. But I've kind of come to peace with the fact that that place may never work out. It's just it's one of those events that you you know some drivers are fortunate enough to win it win it once, uh, some guys are are fortunate enough to win it four times. You know, there's there's a few in that club. But there's a lot of guys that have never won it, that probably should have. You know, Michael Andretti is probably, I think, one of the best examples of that. But I've just come to terms with the fact that it may never work out. Um, I hope it does. You know, you could go there and you could finish second five years in a row and feel terrible about it. But um, it's just one of those very tricky races. You get three weeks to prepare. You got all the time in the world, and you got one moment to make it happen on the day. And um, I think the, the only thing you can do is try and put yourself in position at the end of the race. Give yourself an opportunity to win it. And, and if you, you're there enough years, just like you said, hopefully one of those years it just pans out.
2: You know, we used to say that Roger Penske, well, owned the Indianapolis 500. Now he literally does. Team Penske and your organization that you work for, tell me something that unless you were
5: inside the Penske organization you wouldn't recognize and that you appreciate it's the detail it's um, I, that's an easy one to say you know everyone understands sort of Penske perfect I think right. that's probably one of the most common terms people use when they think about Penske and and the brand they have the legacy they have but it's really the to me it's the it's the people and the way that they Uh, it's the way they utilize people um, and the way they they bring people together. More than I realize. you know, from the outside looking in, when I wasn't a Penske guy, I was like, man, I don't know what it's like in that environment. I thought Uh it might be quite tough and kind of difficult to thrive. But I think it's very opposite. You know, they they really bring the best out of you. And I think everyone is – Everyone has a sensation that they want to get the best out of themselves when they're when they're with Penske, Um, and there's just a standard there, you know, and it's not it's not pressured onto you. It's something you just. You know, feel. It's almost like a calling. Uh, you want to get the most out of yourself. And I think that will, that will bleed into not only the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, with, but the IndyCar series. You know, It's going to take a little time in the transition, but I really think it'll have a very positive effect on, on all of us. A couple of the
2: fascinating things you already alluded to in our conversation, the aero screen, which is uh, brand new for these cars. But even more importantly than that, you know, you're a graybeard now. You're the old guy. I know. It's not that many years ago. I mean, we're looking at kids that haven't even turned 21 They can't consume champagne in Victory Lane. They're going to be nipping at your rear deck lid.
5: Yeah, that was the deal. Last year we were in Coda and Colton That's y- right. Young Herda. Colton yeah. won the race. And <laughs> I think they gave they you know they switched it. I think they made a mistake and is that they right? gave they gave me the like sparkling grape pews and gave him the champagne. <laughs> well, you know Hurd is not going to tell anybody. He definitely did not say anything, which was great. Uh, so he truly did get champagne. But um, it's uh, it's interesting. It's it's uh, For me now, I don't feel that old. I'm 29, but I'm yeah. probably – I'm a veteran. You know, I've been in it for a while. This is going to be my ninth season, which is crazy to say. But um, I think uh, you get better in this sport with, with time. It's, it's the reason why guys like Elio Castroneves did so well for so long and just got better. Same thing with Scott Dixon. I think he's the perfect example of just uh, the experience counts in this sport. And it's, it's so diverse in IndyCar. I think that's probably the biggest thing is it, compared to other motorsports platforms, IndyCar is by far the most diverse on what you have to be good at technically. Uh, whether that's with setup or driving the Mm -hmm. car, there are very many different types of tracks and you have to master all of them. So the more experience that you have and you can couple that with good talent, I think the better off you do. So I think that works in my favor compared to the youth, but man, the youth are good. They just have that enthusiasm and they don't care. You know, they're ready to prove themselves. And um, you have this attitude as a racing driver that you gotta you gotta be the best, and you're very competitive. And I think that's why we do so well on the racetrack. You have to have that attitude, and and they have the most of it. So it's it's interesting seeing the young guys coming up now for me.
2: You're listening to Joseph Newgarden as he tries to defend the fact that now he's a veteran with these nineteen something uh, drivers. But I cannot recall a period of time, Joseph, in recent memory where the IndyCar series at least exhibited exhibits the Health that it seems to be exhibiting now. And what I'm talking about is not only the evolution of the car that you're going to race, but also there's a ladder system that is beginning to pay off, whether it's Padua Award or some of the others that are going to be nipping at your heels this time around. And it's almost as if the road to Indy now is maybe paved a little bit more positively than when you set about your
5: career goal, and that's to run in the Indy 500. How do you see it? Yeah, well, I agree with you 100%. I think you're really seeing the benefit of it now and uh, in a positive way. You know, there's a proven ladder system in place, and, and what's great is you've got team owners that look at that now and they say the talent that comes out of this system is legitimate we're going to pull from it. And it didn't used to be that right. way. 10, 15 years ago when I was coming out of Indy Lights, you know, me winning the championship was not a guarantee that, hey, we should hire this guy. He's going to be one of the next future stars. And I think now people have more of that appreciation for the talent coming through that, yeah, they could they could be the next future star, and we should probably look into getting them. Um, I think what's great about the ladder system now is it brings more opportunity for young American talent. You know, it's so critical. It, I mean, I get to ask this all the time. Are you, you know, happy to be American in the sport? Um, you know, Americans should be successful in it. And I, I agree with that. But IndyCar would not be as great as it is, in my opinion, without the complete international um uh commitment and and what i mean by that is you have to have the best from around the world of course we got to have the best american talent in there but you got to have the best from everywhere Mm -hmm. too it means more you know if it was just americans to me it wouldn't be as exciting and it wouldn't be um as gratifying and so what i like is we have the best from around the world competing but i think our ladder system is providing a good pipeway for the young american talent to get into that mix and showcase their stuff uh, and that's what you need. When I was you know, a kid growing up and I was in Nashville, Tennessee, there wasn't, uh, you know, there wasn't a great system in place for how to go race car driving. I mean, there, that wasn't like a known thing. And I think there's a lot more of an established system now there, and, and it's, it's starting to pay off. Those of us that know the Team Penske organization
2: and have been entertained over the years with a lot of the back and forth that you and your fellow drivers do, and it seems to me that Indy 500 champion Simon Pagino likes to punk you he does. He Are you going to get even? I mean, come on.
5: I want to. I want you to stand up to this Frenchman. I got to pick my battles, you know. Um, Simon and me, we love, we love to poke each other in a good way, and uh, we have a lot of fun. You know, obviously, a couple of years ago, we had that whole autograph battle deal that we did, <laughs> and then I feel like you know what was good about it. It was really organic, and it was like you know we're just joking around, and it turned into something. And there'll probably be something like that in the future. I, I don't know what it is. It's it's hard to. Just, you know, create that stuff. It's got to be organic. But um, the point is we like to have fun. Uh, actually, what we do have, we do currently have a challenge out there at the moment. It's for Will. It's not actually for Simon. Will st- is under the illusion that he can do 400 push-ups in a row, which is abs- it's an absurd claim. It's a crazy. I'm claim. betting the under. He's a very talented individual, but not but that talented. He, he, no, no one. I don't know anyone in the world that can do 400 <laughs> pushups in a row. So, anyways, we bet Will that he could never do this in his lifetime, and he had until St. Pete to prepare to try and do this for us. And I, I think he's starting to back out of this challenge now. But that's currently where we're at. You know, as far as the games, it's it's in Will's court right now to try and prove this. You know,
2: he just there's no way. It's impossible. I don't care if even you competed in the American Ninja Warrior. Uh, It's not going to happen there. It's not going to happen in Team Penske's garage. Listen, before we let you go, uh, give me a quick trip around St. Pete. In a few words, describe to me the critical elements to being successful in that race. You want me to give you like a little lap in my right. head? In or? your head? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, so I don't want to get in your head.
5: Okay. Well, it's I don't let anyone in here. Okay. This is a <laughs> vault. Okay. <laughs> I gotta be locked up for the season, right? Um, no, it's a great track, super short, um, but but very technical, very high brake zones. Turn one's quite important. You gotta get very deep into the brakes. You're transitioning off of an airport runway right. onto city streets through turn one, uh, then down to turn three, which is probably the best passing zone on the track. So everyone's going to be watching that for the start of the race, and then there's a, a very tight section through four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That leads you onto the back straight. Uh, the back straight's trickier than it looks. Will Power had a big wreck through the kink there on the back I remember, straight. Yeah, yeah, and he, he, yeah. he missed the whole race. So um, you got to be heads up. And that leads into probably your final braking zone uh, that you can potentially pass in, which is turn ten. And then that kind of leads around to one fast chicane to uh, the final hairpin on the corner or on the track. And the final hairpin, I think, is the most critical place around St. Petersburg. We call it 13 and 14. You have to be able to get a car that can rotate really fast around there, but that puts down the power. And it's just getting harder nowadays at St. Pete to get off that final corner. We're making more and more power every year, especially with Chevrolet. And we've got a new handling race car. So getting off of that final corner onto the front straightaway is going to be a real big key for everybody.
2: Listen, it's always a treat to visit with you. Good luck. We'll see you in St. Pete. Thanks so much. Hard to believe that Joseph uh, is now one of the aging veterans. It's not that many years ago that he was one of the young guns. There's a whole new group of young guns now. We've talked about it, and we'll continue to talk about it throughout the season. Up next, he won in 2017 and 2018, a limited schedule for Sebastian Bourdais, but he knows his way to Victory Lane in St. Pete. We'll visit with Seabass right after this.
0: This is Brick by Brick with AJ Almendinger and Jackaroot on Dan Patrick Radio, Channel 211, and on the Sirius XM app. The thunder of the NTT IndyCar Series is back on Sirius XM. Hear every race from the first race in St. Petersburg. Green flag is out. The season is underway. To the final checkered in Laguna, including all the pageantry of the 104th running of the Indianapolis 500. He'll go to victory lane. Simon Pagenaud wins. Wednesdays throughout the season, check out our weekly show with A.J. Allmendinger and Jack Harut. The NTT IndyCar Series on Sirius XM and the Sirius XM app, now included free for most subscribers. Welcome back to the only weekly NTT IndyCar Series talk show on Sirius XM. This is Brick by Brick.
2: With A.J. Allmendinger, I'm Jack and Joining us now is uh, the 2017 and 2018 winner of the Grand Prix of St. Pete, Sebastian Bourdais. Better known to you and me and most of the IndyCar community as Seabass. How are you today, my friend? Doing great. All right, let's jump right into the deep end of the pool. Uh, We were talking earlier in the show about the fact that there seems to be this this huge youth movement underway in the NTT IndyCar season, and you got caught in the vortex of that. But you've uh, snared a ride for four events with the legendary A.J. Foyt. What's that been like for you?
1: Well, it's been great so far. Um, You know, you see, you had... uh... Some uh, not so great years, uh, last couple of seasons, and uh, there's been a big uh, engineering reshuffling, and uh, and I think it's definitely paying off. The car uh, seemed to be pretty quick uh, right out the box at Coda, and then uh, although we didn't test very long, and uh, and then we we're fast again at Sebring. So um, hope it bodes well for that uh, season opener at the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Pete.
3: Sebastian, with uh, you only doing four races this year in IndyCar, you got full-time IMSA gonna be running at Le Mans. do you look at these four races Not, I don't want to say retirement from IndyCar but kind of as you start to transition to the next part of your career or are you looking at these four races as a sign of if I go out there and do well trying to be back in full-time IndyCar next
1: year uh yeah no definitely the intent is to is to be back full-time next year um there's, there's no uh, no hiding that at all uh, I think uh, Larry's is uh, pretty eager to see what we can do, and if we can show well and and uh, show some potential, then uh, I think there's definitely the intention of uh, making this uh, a full deal next year. But uh, as you know, you got to be a little fluid with with those things, uh, careers and opportunities come and go, and uh, and you just got to move along. But uh, yeah, that's the intent.
2: You alluded to uh, the fact that AJ Foyt Enterprises has not necessarily been one of the one of the stronger teams in the IndyCar series for the last handful of years. So I, I wonder, what do you feel you have brought to the party uh, that coincides with the transition to where Larry Foyt is now you know, calling the shots, bringing in a, an engineering group, uh, for the lack of a better term, upgrading the entire approach. So what does Sebastian Bourdais add to the party, do you think, uh, even though it's only a four-race deal?
1: I don't know. I guess we're gonna find out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I obviously have my experience, and uh, they brought uh, engineers from uh, from uh, formerly uh, Shank, and then uh, which obviously was partnered with Schmidt. So that's a full load of knowledge, and uh, and uh, Mike Pulaski from Andretti. So uh, you know, there's definitely been a lot of. Hybrid setups and trying to combine the knowledge and understand where everybody was at and why and how and and uh, and understand and uh, so far it seems to have worked pretty good and uh, you know with with the former organization uh, so it's basically both Mike's, Oliver and Polowski and and Danielle and uh, and it's yeah it's, I think it's it's promising now obviously there's quite a bit of anticipation there's a lot of expectations so you gotta stay realistic and, and grounded because as you know. The field is so tight and so dense and in IndyCar that you really uh, really got to be careful with expectations. But in the meantime, I think everybody's pretty pumped up.
3: Jack, he, uh, he brings four championships. Unfortunately, I had to watch that in person for most of those. <laughs> but, Sebastian, you talk about <laughs> expectations. Being that you've won this race twice, 17 and 18, the ultimate goal is always to go out there and, and win the race. But knowing where A.J. Foyt has been the past couple of seasons, what is your real expectations
1: for this weekend? Well, honestly, I think if we end up in the top five, I think we'd be uh, we'd be really pleased with that. Uh, you know, there's very little uh, preparation that we could do. Uh, Koda was cut to an afternoon of testing instead of uh, of a two day test, and uh, we ended up basically uh, running a couple of hours because we're uh, sharing the car with Dalton. So. Uh, and there's, there's really been a very short preparation. We managed to, uh, thanks to uh, Chevy, uh, to go to the simulator, which I think was very helpful to prepare for St. Pete. Uh, but, you know, regardless, you know a critical list to have consistency and, and continuity in the program, and uh, there's definitely none of that right now. It's going to take a little time to to build that up. So, uh, yeah, I think if, if we end up in the top five, we'd be, uh, we'd be pretty happy. You look at the field, <laughs> you know, you're going to have six Andres, three Penskeys, three Ganassi's, you know, so it it really, uh, it really doesn't leave much room if everybody performs to get in the top 10. So uh, we'll, we'll have to shoot above a height and uh, just get it done. Continuing our conversation with two-time winner
2: of the uh, forthcoming Firestone Grand Prix of St. Pete, uh, Sebastian Bourdais. And Sebastian, when you joined us, I said, you're kind of the unofficial driver host. Um, You know, St. Pete is your home. Uh, Now, normally, you know, when when friends come to visit, they you know they want to like use your couch and they want you know to have access to your fridge refrigerator. Um, you know, how many knocks on your door do you get from your fellow competitors when they're in town for St. Pete?
1: Our fellow competitors, not not at all. But uh, you know, you obviously have uh, all the friends and family that comes out, so it uh, becomes a pretty full house, and uh, uh, gotta find some rooming. Uh, solutions, but uh, it's all good. I mean, it's it's something I get to do twice a year right at home. Once here, uh, the season opener in the NTT IndyCar Series and then uh, and then at Le Mans. So, uh, you know, it's, it's quite a fun feeling and uh, an extra motivation. You've run the St.
2: Pete Circuit, which is a combination of the streets and also the airport and all that goes into it. Uh, everybody talks about the, the passing zones. Where do you think you have the best opportunity to uh to use a colloquialism unique to america make hay to get the passes to gain an advantage on someone else
1: well you only really get to know that once you you jump in the car and you mm-hmm. see your strengths and weaknesses um uh, but obviously there's three really good passing areas uh, turn one turn four and turn nine um uh, if uh if, if you got a good car it's definitely uh there are ways to to you know move forwards, and uh, hopefully we don't have to do that. <laughs> hopefully we qualify well and and be uh, in a position to contend right away. But uh, both times we want it, we want it from uh, from the back. So uh, it's it's it can be a very chaotic race with a lot of action. Um, so you know we'll we'll just have to uh, play the game and uh, and see what uh, what hand we're being uh, dealt.
3: You've raced so many different types of vehicles at so many places you've raced at indy monaco you've won le mans are there races that you have still on your bucket list that you'd love to be able to go do uh or have you already kind of checked everything off your list
1: yeah i think the the, the last one that's really intriguing is probably uh, the old melbourne um uh, mm. but it's a really specialized exercise so i i don't know <laughs> i mean it's gonna take a little bit of uh of uh, convincing to do or some some kind of transition i don't know but uh, i I got to do bathurst i wish i uh, wish i'd been able to to keep going and uh, there was an opportunity but uh petit le mans and bathurst trip over each other now so that's not possible but uh yeah i was i was really pumped i got a phone call from from my buddies at uh triple eight and they were like two years ago and i was like oh hell yeah and then they moved Bathurst, and it was like oh no <laughs> but yeah number green is is definitely uh, um pretty high up there
2: all right sebastian uh, look you have first hand knowledge about my partner and he alluded to it um you know he has this public persona especially on nbc and here now on brick by brick how big a pain in the ass was aj <laughs> Well,
1: he, he was he was a young little prick when when we met you know so now he's, he's he's gotten older like the rest of us <laughs> So, <laughs> so he's an
2: older fill in the blank,
1: right? No, no. I mean obviously uh, AJ uh, you know came in the series uh you know with with a lot of talent and speed and, and he displayed that when he got in the right car and, uh, and then he he left us uh to the NASCAR world. So uh you know that uh that was uh that was uh, a shame for us. But um yeah, I mean he's uh, he's a heck of a talent and uh, every time he gets in the car he still uh, still shows that. So uh no, we we just kind of missed him on the on the IndyCar side of
2: things. Well, listen, we wish you the very best. We sincerely appreciate you being part of our uh, you know our kickoff here of this series called Brick by Brick. Uh, hopefully, we'll be chatting with you an awful lot. And thank you so much for giving me a new terminology to apply to my partner. I um, I'm, absolutely I'm gonna...
1: anytime. <laughs>
3: yeah, okay. <laughs> Good luck, man. Go out there and get it this weekend.
1: Yeah,
2: thanks. We'll see you right there. There you go. That's Sebastian Bourdais. I'm speechless.
3: Uh, I'm going to be kind because it's our first show together. You know, if you pulled any driver at that time in Champ Car, Sebastian Bourdais in the driver's meeting always had questions. So I was the easygoing guy. Let's just remember that.
2: Well, because you were, as he said, a young.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I've been called worse.
2: Well, some late breaking news, AJ, uh, for the road to St. Pete. It, it seems that the uh, Andretti uh, uh, Harding Steinbrenner entry for uh, uh, the number 88 was involved in a in, in a, a tractor trailer fire, and the latest from uh, the Andretti folks, uh, and I'm going to read. It says. Uh, Uh, Thank heavens no one has been injured. We want to express our gratitude to our transport drivers as well as the local fire department and first responders for their quick response. At this time, Colton heard his number 88 car. The damage appears to be minor and cosmetic caused by heat, smoke, and water. We have no current reason to believe that any competition or mechanical aspects of the 88 car have been damaged or compromised. And what they've done, AJ, if they've dispatched their Indy Lights team that was already in Florida doing some testing over to St. Pete, the only thing that they have to do is rush down from Indianapolis pit equipment, because that seems to be the uh, the major uh, uh, victim of this fire, all their pit equipment. As a driver, you can't do anything about that.
3: No, you just, first and foremost, you just hope everybody's okay, which it sounds like they are, and, and you're happy about that. And... Just a a little bit more stress than a team would like right now. But for Colton Herta, there's nothing he can do. He can just be focused. The car's going to be there. It's going to be ready to go. And uh, just a a little bit extra work that the whole organization's going to have to kind of fight through to start the the season. Not that you'd ever want something like that to happen, but everybody's okay, and you just move forward.
2: Stress, Colton Herta. you've been around him. He's Uh, the most stressless guy I've ever been around in my life.
3: Zero. Hey, before we run out of time, he's just going to
2: sing a song. There you go. Before we run out of time, I get jacked up now and again. I'm warning all of you. Those like you, AJ, you already know. Uh, my jacked up today is we talk about this aeroscreen, had a great visit with Jay Fry and went through the process. Um, there seems to have come along the way uh, this preoccupation by sanctioning bodies to take credit for things, specifically when it comes to safety. Forgive me, but I really don't care. I don't think that there needs to be credit. I have said this on every every uh, show that I've ever done. Safety is paramount. And adopting it as an industry, not being parochial and laying claim, well, we invented the safer barrier and he invented the Hans device, I don't care. We are much safer than we were 20 years ago. The introduction of the arrow screen, Mr. Almendinger just as another installment in it. Can we please check at the door this preoccupation with a sanctioning body or an individual company wanting to take credit for something that has kept guys and gals like you safer as they pursue a sport we love? Amen to that, man. (laughs) Sorry, got jacked up. Listen, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, what did you know? Give me a give me from a driver's perspective. What you think we learned with our visits with
3: from Jay Fry to C Bass to uh, Joseph Newgarden today? Well, I think the IndyCar Series is in great hands with Roger Penske with Jay Fry leading it. Great car count going into St. Pete this weekend. It's going to be a fantastic season. You know, for Sebastian Bourdais, I think we learned that he's going to try to help bring AJ Foyt and that team back to where it once was. Uh, it's not going to happen overnight, but with Seabass there, even though for only four races, I think he's really going to help the leadership of the team. And Joseph Newgarden, we know what he's all about. He's all about mm-hmm. winning races and winning championships. And this year, even though he's the defending champ, I feel like, he, that, like the championship doesn't matter anymore. That happened last year. He's focused on his third this year. So uh, it all happens in St. Pete this weekend, kicks off. Jack, I got one question for you. Pick a winner not going to touch it with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> uh,
2: seriously. And again, I'm not I'm I'm not blowing smoke up your skirt. This this is hard to handicap this field. There is no question. Hey listen, we hope you enjoyed our first installment of what is going to be all summer long throughout the NTT IndyCar series. As I said, hashtag Two Bad Boys, you get the idea. Uh it's a no whole bars visit with uh, with yours truly, Jackaroot and A. J. Allmendinger, uh, the driver extraordinaire, or as Seabass called them, the young little never mind. My thanks to our guest, to our director of sports programming, Andy King, to our producer, Nate Lee. But most of all, my thanks to each and every one of you. Join us next Wednesday night, won't you? And in between, enjoy the Firestone Grand Prix from St. Petersburg.